also like those um, Death Valley trips you take for photography. Oh, you really should go. The next one's coming up March 25th through 28th. Yeah. And uh, they're, they're, they are fabulous, especially at this time of year. The lighting is gorgeous. I can imagine. And it's not too, what's the weather like up there? Well, it was about, uh, about March, early, late March. It's probably about the 75 to 80 degree range. Mm -hmm. Doable. So, right, so, exactly. Everybody, I, we're just, uh, just to let you know, we're getting ready for our webinar. Actually, okay. we're going to start. <laughs> oh, let's start. We're <laughs> all creative people. I'm like, oh. <laughs> let's go. Woo! Go ahead and start. So, welcome everybody to today's mm -hmm. webinar uh, worldwide. We have um, some guests that I'll be introducing in a couple of minutes. And uh, my name is Rena Walzinger. I am the Director of Customer Success at Eon Reality. And it's a pleasure to be here today. I have a long background in digital media, engineering, medical, biomedical engineering, and education. So with that, let's get started. So uh, today we're just gonna we're gonna talk about the pedagogy around Eon 3D, uh, AR, VR, XR, uh, whether it's STEM or arts, um, covering all kinds of different things, and really helping uh, faculty with ideas on how to incorporate this into your into your lessons and into your curriculum. So first, I just want to start with a couple quotes. The acquisition of knowledge cannot be separated from the context in which knowledge is collected. And I think that's really relevant in, uh, in 3D, in immersive learning. Uh, next one, the most effective education is experiential. Learning is achieved through personal experience and doing. I happen to teach uh, audio and film. And so all of my classes have very long labs. And this has been my life of teaching. And so that's something that I think is really important is the experience. And Heather and Stephen will be talking about that in a minute. I'm gonna show uh, three short examples just to kind of get you acquainted with some things we can do in Eon. The first I'm gonna talk about is one of my favorite places, Disneyland, where I scanned a set. Here we go. So recently I was at Disneyland and it happened to be Halloween season and they had a beautiful set design display near the front of the park depicting part of the haunted house, the kind of scary door in uh, apartment 924 with the rep club, the door and wallpaper. And so I decided to go ahead and scan this and upload it to Eon, which really just took a few seconds. And now I can teach a little bit about set design. I can go ahead and record a video for my students as well. Let's just do that. So everybody, here's a really nice set design from Disneyland of the haunted mansion door mm. and wallpaper, including a chair a haunted table with a scary globe and some matching furniture depicting the ride and the whole scene from the haunted house. So once I save that, that is included in content for my lesson. And uh, so I have a whole bunch of content that I've added about the set design, but I can really bring to life things <laughs> that I've experienced uh, into my classroom. I can look at this in augmented reality as well. So let's do that. There we go, and I can create lesson content from augmented reality, including artificial intelligence, get information uh, right here from the internet about just by picking a point, taking a picture, and I can add content very quickly and easily. So that's uh, something that actually at Disneyland, they, they loved seeing that and actually stopped some vehicles during the during the parade, <laughs> let me take some scans. I'm sure you Welcome to this one. immersive lesson in Eon Reality. <clears throat> Here we see the 1966 Batcave in one level, how it was designed in 66. And now in Eon Reality and augmented reality, we have the newer Batcave, which is multi-level. 
and here living my dream, walking in the bat cave, walking the different levels in augmented reality in Eon. Here you see the control center and here's the very famous Batman cowl. Now walking over here is the most important part, the Batmobile. Here we see the tumbler from the newer movies and that's on a floating platform, which is in the Batcave garage. I wanted to compare that to the 1966 version. So there I just replace it and I can do a side-by-side -side comparison. And here's my real models with my AR model and now I'm gonna inject some knowledge from the Batman movies. And you guys know I had a great time making that. My upstairs is now my back cave. Oh my <laughs> god! <laughs> and one more, I know you're laughing. One more, um, quickly about a circuit board just to show you the difference between VR and AR. Here we go. This in this video, I'm gonna do it brief example from my phone on the circuit board. Here's a circuit board and I want to teach about the different parts which are small but now I can cast this either in class or online. I'm going ahead and putting it in augmented reality where I am which is at home and I'm going to teach about the computer fan right there the CPU fan. So I've labeled some parts did the annotations. I can scale that model and I'm just going to double tap the computer fan and look at that and now I'm adding knowledge to it, videos, images, text-to-speech. You can see there how I do it using artificial intelligence. I just speak the part, which is computer fan mount, and I get the information. I take a picture, I let the artificial intelligence find that for me, and then I get that in a knowledge portal right there in 3D space that I can play and play each of those three different things in the lesson. Doing the research is really an important part of the pedagogy is that's where students do most of the learning. And then at the end, I go back into virtual reality. So I wanted to show those videos first before introducing our guest today as just an example of some of the things. And I have some more examples later, but let's spend the next half hour with our special guests. First, I'd like to introduce Heather Joseph Witham. Uh, Dr. Joseph Witham is famous around the world as a, as a host from Mythbusters. She's a folklorist. Yes, she is. She's a folklorist. And I wanted to bring somebody who was a non-scientist. And I know Heather is a non-scientist. Extreme non-science. Extreme non-science. Non-science. Uh, professor of Liberal Arts and Sciences at Otis College of Art and Design in Los Angeles. She's the author of Star Trek Fans and Costume Art. Um, she's, cool. been, she has, she's been on many shows, including Mythbusters, Artbound, Sightings, True Nightmares, Real Ghosts. Any biography. Also, I, I've seen her as a guest judge on several Halloween baking series online, and her interests are gnomes, vampires, and conspiracy theories. And this is one of the, my favorite times. Um, her yes. class does make shrines at the Hollywood Forever Cemetery for Dia de los Muertos every year, and this is a Dr. Seuss uh, 3D uh, immersive experience, and we're going to talk a little bit about her experiences today and how it relates to 3D. And we also have Stephen Burns, who I've known for a long time, He's well known around the world. He's he writes the books for Adobe. He's a digital artist and um, very creative. He's a professor that I've taught with Adobe education leader, been all over the place speaking. Um, he's he's an amazing designer. Stephen is is my my own teacher for Blender. In fact, he's an instructor in the Los Angeles area at several colleges and is the president of the Photoshop users group. And I've had a lot of questions around the world from digital media people on how 3D relates to 2D. And so that's why I have Steven on. And Steven is a beautiful artist. He creates 3D art. He's a super uh, 
uh, super um, amazing 3D artist and uh, and one of my mentors. So with that, let's uh, share the screen with three of us. Welcome, you guys. Hey, hi. <laughs> Pleasure to be here. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much. And thanks for um, being on with me today. So I'm going to start with Heather. So okay. being a non-technical person in 3D tech. No. Woo! <laughs> So let's talk about you. I mean, your degrees in folklore and mythology, but you also studied history and you've also been in a national tour guide. And so, yeah. And so I know that you do and you teach in a creative school where your students are artists and they create toys and films, all kinds of things. And so I want to get started with you and just, you know, your ideas on like, how does 3D, how could you use 3D in classes that are like non-science classes and the types of things that come to your mind, like, like with your shrines or like locations or like your traveling or tour. Sure. Yeah. Well, I'll start with the shrines because you had a picture of that one. And I want to, so what that is, is I teach um, a class called Modern Mysticism in the Afterlife. And we partner with Hollywood Forever Cemetery because they do a massive Dia de los Muertos uh, festival every year. They get like 30,000 people. It's wonderful. And so we create a shrine in about um, a 30 foot space. So um, when I first started going to the festival, um, people would walk by the shrines and look. I thought, well, I that's wonderful, but we're in LA and I'm with students and what do my students need? They're learning all about it. They're researching all about it. They know all about the holiday, but they need interactivity. They need to play with the people who are there. There's all these people. So um, we, we talked about that and really every year now we create something that's truly interactive. In that case, they wanted to honor Dr. Seuss, Theodore Geisel. Um, and so they created a giant um, cat in the hat hat where people could walk in and walk through a little experience in there with, they had recorded themselves um, reading the books, reading some of his books in there and people could go in there and write on a wall there. And, and they were making crazy rhymes, Seuss-like rhymes about people they loved who had passed. And so they were honoring their own people in there and then walking through and then they would see lots of other things and and more traditional items on an on an altar like green eggs and ham and things like that. So they do something truly interactive every year. This year they did something um, about their own family's uh, migration narratives and they created things where people could come in and also sign names of um, and wishes for people that they loved who had passed. So interactivity is what it's all about. That's physical. So how about when they're creating that and they're coming up with the concepts, how's something going to work? Are they able to take objects virtually and place them here and there and try to work the space? Because frequently, you know, we get there and we're like, whoa, this isn't going to work. I bring so much extra stuff when I when we're creating that shrine. It's an ephemeral piece that's up that day from, you know, eight in the morning until midnight and things work and sometimes things fall apart and things don't work and so you know if they had a virtual space to create prior to that it would be so much easier to see what would work and what wouldn't but not only in things like shrines because shrine that's a physical example i'm talking about art here as well as the research that goes into creating it but um so many other things can use this type of immersive pedagogy so Last semester, I was doing um, a, a fairy tales, diversity, and storytelling class. So storytelling is my thing. Love it. Students love it. They want to tell their own personal experience narratives. They want to research um, other people's narratives. But one of the assignments was to, you know, as a way to warm them up, actually, 
before they were studying, doing field work and studying someone else's um, story was for them to tell a fairy tale. I'm like, you guys got to get used to getting up and telling stories. So they had to research a narrative from a, a, a cult, any culture they chose and write a paper analyzing it. But the most important part was getting up and telling the story. And some of them were, were terrified. And I'm like, you know, I didn't tell you how to tell the story. You can figure out any way to tell the story. Um, so I had one student who uh, was particularly creative and it, it kind of blew me away. He got up and he started telling the story, but not with too many words. He had um, a video that he had created going in the background um, while he was in front sort of telling the story and he started interacting with the video. And so he's running, I see wolves running and then he's like, and then the wolves caught the boy and he leapt and fell on the ground and then he got up and then he's interacting with the video. And the whole class was like, oh my God. Yeah. And everyone was like, why didn't I do that? So uh, there's ways to really bring in um, this immersive world to make things more effective, more wonderful, uh, more creative and more, you know, and there's other ways to do stories too, but um, he just blew me away. And so I thought, well, what if we were really in that environment? What if we were in the forest with him and the wolves and we could hear the music lightly playing and we could hear the wolves, we could hear the wind going through the trees, we could hear the other animals. Um, there's ways to do that now. I haven't done it. I need to do it. I don't have the tools. And so we're learning how to get the tools now. And that's what's exciting. Figuring out the right pedagogy, brainstorming with our with our colleagues and trying to figure this stuff out and our students, because they're always, you know, 15 feet ahead of us with all this stuff. Fantastic. That's it's a, it's really good to hear, you know, and and I think that's what we're trying to do is bring this to everybody where you don't have to be a coder. You don't have to be a computer scientist, but you can just use the technology. Use use what you have, your phone, your tablets and and uh, and really do that and and really bring students into you know into that immersive learning Stephen yes so yeah so you <laughs> you teach a, you are the adobe expert but also blender and all a bunch of other stuff so i've had a lot of questions from digital media teachers that say hey you know what we teach photoshop but like what does this have to do with me and i think you're the best person mm -hmm. that i know in my life to answer that question and how so, i'm a, i'm a, i'm going to tell you a story here um, some years ago, I was invited by Disney to do a 3D class, it was a full day 3D class for their artists at the Disney Studios, the studios in Los Angeles. And about a month before I came in, the Adobe expert, I guess the sales guy, wanted to sell them Photoshop and, and 3D in Photoshop. And, and the artist asked them, well, how do you model things in in Photoshop, in the 3D aspects, and he told them that you can't. Is we, we we just don't have the tools and the platforms in there. Where well, I have written several books on 3D and Photoshop, where I actually built models <laughs> using Photoshop, and they invited me in. And the artist, in the, within the first 30 minutes, told me that I can't believe that you just showed us how to do modeling in 3D and Photoshop. The Adobe guy came in last month and told us it wasn't possible. And here you are showing us how to do it. <laughs> so so um, 3D is awfully used in, in, in commercials and movies, creating these virtual and fantasy environments. Half-life, second life, you know, uh, 3D virtual environments where people get to become 
something other than themselves in a whole nother world. Now we're bringing this into education, I think is critical. Some of us might want to say that, well, it's the pandemic that allowed for this. I disagree. I think we were going in that direction already. It took the pandemic to kind of kick us in the butt and say, okay, let's push this thing in, into full force. And I'm excited about it. So I, 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 I do corporate training. I do education at the colleges in terms of um, 3D integration, building models, animation, but this whole concept of, of virtual reality. And as Heather was talking about, where you can actually do, you know, you know bring your models into your own environment, another environment, your home or work, um, and, and have other people interact and learn from this. I think it's absolutely fascinating. Well, that's great. I, and I think that you brought up a good point is, uh, you know, industry experts, and you can even share, share these experiences, whether other mm -hmm. people are meeting virtual spaces and, and uh, it's a pretty exciting time. And so, and Heather, I wanted to ask you about, because I know you, you are an expert at things like architecture, places, museums, locations, and you can now bring like a museum into your home. What types of things would that do for students, bringing locations and museums into where you're at? That's Maybe. super weird. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, yesterday I was teaching my ways of knowing class. I'm like, okay. Do you guys want to do a field trip and go downtown? We're going to start at Olveda Street in Los Angeles, and then we're going to move to Latin American Museum. We're going to end up here, and we're going to end up there. And they were like, yeah, but we're still a little scared. Um, huh. And so if I want to talk about um, ethnic spaces downtown and, and how they interact with each other and why they're there, and you know, for me, the best thing is to be there. And they're not quite ready. They're still a little afraid. Um, I don't. I know it's different in different parts of the world, but in LA, we're still a little crazy. And so I thought, well, you know, I can show videos of these places. It's not the same no. as being in an exhibit or walking down no. the street. Um, there's a, a wonderful scholar, uh, John Stilgo, who writes about um, how you only really understand a space by walking through it. Even biking's not quite enough, although I know, Stephen, you're a big bicyclist, so <laughs> I know you really see the world that way. But driving past, you can't see it. You can't see the mailbox or the train tracks and understand why these things are where they are in relation exactly to each other right. or the sticker someone put on the box or the, the, the small bit of graffiti on the curb and why these things are there and what meaning they have in terms of space. And so you got to walk through it. you got to be there. And... Um, you know, sort of, sort of like the spaces in between and the importance. We only see, you know, the picture of the great building. We don't see the narrative behind the building or within the building and the stories taking place around right. it. So um, I think that this idea of, of immersivity is really what it's about, getting there and getting them to be there and, and, and understand the feeling, the egregore, right. the, the narrative about the space. So you're talking, you're talking about bringing truth into the whole 3D platform because so far we've been using it to be creative, but now there's a reason why that mailbox is there. There's a reason why it looks the way it looks. There's a reason why the brownstones on this street um, has a certain character that they have. And you want to capture the truth, the reality of the moment, so it becomes all part of the education and the experience. Yeah. You know, even with designers... The, it, you don't want someone coming in and building something for a space without understanding the space and being there. And they, so you have to talk to the people there. 
you have to look around and see what's adjacent to this. Red doesn't work because that thing's red and uh, people over here don't like this color for this reason. And this, <laughs> you have to, you have to be there and be around there before you're right. designing. Otherwise it's a, an edifice that only stands for itself and not for the people in the space. So um, I, I think all of that has to do with us, using these ideas in different ways and not just juxtaposing um, our, our presence yes. somewhere. And you, you have to be there. You can't just see a picture of it. You have to be in it. And if you can't be in it um, physically, you have to be in it virtually. Yeah, absolutely. And by the way, we have, I just want to say how excited I am today. We have people from all over the world on from Thailand to Panama, to Palestine, to Czech Republic, really? everywhere. So cool. welcome everybody and our worldwide audience. We're very excited to be here. <laughs> so um, I wanted to talk about environments for a second. One of the ways that I usually teach in a lab, right? I'm either teaching film or audio. So I'm either in a recording studio or a film studio or sometimes on set or yeah, in a, in a commercial space. And so one of the things that uh, we're all moving to including Eon is environments. And I have several videos about environments where you have an environment, then you bring your assets in and interact with those. So I'm thinking like that could be like a museum and you hang up your own pictures or it can be like in my space or movie studio, you, you move the lights around and um, the opportunity for model makers as well to like, you know, create these environments with the several assets. And that's why Steven, I've been working with you the last couple of weeks on <laughs> If you have an environment, I gave you Tatooine, of course. Yes. And put my avatar in there. <laughs> and <laughs> I want to interact with Tatooine. So I want to talk about that type of learning for a second. Because I really think that's where we're headed, as well as diversity, equity, and inclusion. Because now we have, we're going to customizable avatars. We know how important that is. Um, I got my doctorate in, in uh, DEI for transfer students in community colleges. And so it's very, very important to all three of us. And so... I thought start with Stephen on that environment. You know, how do you think that's going to change education now? Um, oh, I think it's going to be huge in terms of education. Like, like we were just talking about, you know, bring, bringing truth to to the to the 3D environment. Um, and when when I need to recreate a particular environment or location, I have to go out and actually photograph it and video it, make sure everything's accurate. Um, so if I go say in, in, to the Louvre or something, um, you know, it's Virtual reality now with the Louvre, they actually they actually photograph that space, so you're actually in the, the things that are there are actually there, um, that the, and they're recorded. Um, it's um, it's going to be a lot of work, but I think it's going to be you know a, a, a game changer in terms of a, of educational learning. Um, this whole virtual reality thing is to me is going to be uh, the way to future. Absolutely. Yeah. Heather, what about you? I mean, designing your own spaces with choosing your environment and putting avatars and your own things in there. I think that would really change a lot of things for your shrine activities or other activities or even museums. Yeah, no, I think it's a game changer. But let me take my educator hat off and put my parent hat on for a second, <laughs> because I've been watching, I've got a student in high school, a, a child in high school and a child in college. And I've been watching what they've been doing going off and online and various things. And it's um, pretty bad, actually, I have to say. None of these tools are currently being utilized. And it's not the educator's fault. It's actually the institution's fault in this case for not giving them the time and the money and the space to have better tools to create. So I'm watching my college kid um, doing a lab online. Hmm. 
And it really isn't a lab online. It's someone talking about what they're doing and what they do and her watching. Right. And how horrible, you right. know, and, and um, it's devastating to watch because I know the tools exist for her to be in that environment and to interact with it. And right. it's so sad. And she'll watch, you know, a video of someone speaking for two hours, but she um, uh, puts it on double time. So she'll watch people talking really fast. Um, and that's what students are doing um, in college because they're not engaged. They're not there. They're not in the environment. Right. And um, so it's a lost opportunity for us as educators not to find um, better ways to to do this as we go. I mean, we hope we're in person and even in person, we can use these tools, obviously. But when we are online, um, we kind of owe it to them to find um, better ways to engage them. Otherwise, they're not they're not there. And, I, and I'm, I'm thinking educational institutions also are wanting to tap in a whole a whole nother market now. Um, for example, the college that I teach at is tapping into a lot of the local community. Um, I think their goal now is to start tapping into to communities way outside the local and and the and that technology of of, of improving that environment, that, that experience, I think it's gonna be critical for that. Absolutely. I mean, for me, I think one of the things is just I think the thing that shocked me the most is the first time I put on the Oculus on my face. Right. Like, oh my gosh. Right. I am I'm in the, first of all, I got a lot of questions about the Bat Cave. For those of you who want to know, uh, it's very accessible. You upload models. I happen to be a fan of Sketchfab. Is you just upload them, and and they're gonna. It's gonna be in app soon. We just tap on it. You can even you know say Batcave. It goes in there. There's you don't need to worry about rendering, coding, anything. It's, it's there. You just pick your environment. For all of us teachers that don't, like I said, we're you don't need to be a computer scientist or Stephen, for example, making the model. <laughs> Thank goodness. And, and then you can walk through either, um, I was physically walking, but you can actually scroll through with your finger or if you're an Oculus, you just move the joystick forward. So right. a lot of the times, cause I'm pretty lazy when I'm doing Oculus, I'm sitting down. I change my guardian, I say, I'm sitting. And so I use this joystick to move all around everywhere. So I love that accessibility feature, I use it. Um, and so you can do both in, in the Batcave. I actually walked upstairs in my house cause the Batcave is three levels and I wanted to walk around the top level. So I walked upstairs and walked around the top level. So just I want to answer some of those questions. So anyways. And um, I personally like the 1966 Batmobile. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Next time though, I want to see you in costume, Rena, walking through. <laughs> well, that's interesting, you know, interesting point in my film classes, you know, we're, you know, I'm teach editing and, but my students were always interested in compositing in 3D. So they'd always ask me to lie down on a chair in a, Batman costume so they could do like a green screen and composite and do 3D and have me flying against airplanes and stuff. So, I mean, it's just where students are at, right? People are playing games or on their phone. It's, you know, do they really want to be on PowerPoint all day or watch flat videos? No, I mean, if interacting seems like what they're used to doing. Now we're taking them back. And that's also like another quite another thing for me, because I teach college students, I let them keep their devices and you, I said, keep your devices Use them all for your technology. Use them for recording videos. Right. So yeah, well, um, I think that I think that's interesting because the young people, um, as Heather was mentioning, they're really into the whole gaming environment. Yeah. So taking education and, and and putting them into their what they're familiar with already this this gaming type of environment, but it's there for you to learn about history and and, and the location 
or science or space. I think that's um I think that's I think it's gonna attract their attention. Absolutely. Yeah, I think so too. And Heather, like in your classes, like in a place like Otis, what would that change in your in you know, if you had a lab that was just like we're gonna do AR VR here, create stuff here. So like you have an assignment and they can go to this place or they can do it at home. But you know, how would that would you be changing your lessons or you know your activities or adding activities because a lot of people ask like do you have an lms like what do i do now yeah so i i feel yeah. like we have all mostly flipped the classroom now mm-hmm. so um i think it's been you know at least a dozen years since i've lectured at people mm-hmm. um, in the classroom we're always having a discussion and there's always a halt for hey getting some teams and and figure this stuff out and yesterday they were looking into um um, some kind of folk art co- connected to a, a cultural group that they could create the art, research about it, write a paper about it. And um, one group was talking about henna at um, Indian weddings and the meaning. One of one of the students had seen it at a cousin's wedding. And so we were talking about it. And then we all were running over to look at one person's phone to see pictures and we wanted to know the connection with mythology and and the patterns and stuff. And we were all trying to, you know, there were like 25 of us trying to look at someone's phone. It was really silly and we, we couldn't see it and we, and we couldn't feel it. Um, but you know, in activities like that, where there's a flipped classroom and they're doing something and then they need to share or teach or exhibit or present to everybody else. Um, and that's a daily activity now, right? So, there should be better ways to do that. And I think these tools exist now um, where we can all be there with them, seeing um, the henna being put on and, and hearing about why it's there and what the patterns right. are and what stories right. they're, they're connected to and what it means. So yeah. that would be just, you know, that that is a game changer because it brings them there and lets them understand in a right. totally different way. And it seems like the headsets are becoming um, a lot less um um, a hassle. In other words, if they're not this big, huge helmet anymore, now they're coming down to these small little goggles. The, you know, they, and they are. I mean, and it, it becomes so much more convenient to put on your goggles and go and, and, and enjoy the experience. So, um, yeah, this is going to be. I'm excited. I'm very yeah. excited. You know, when I mean, we were at, speaking at Comic Con last time, right. the Meta, uh, the Weta Cave, who I love them, they did Lord of the Rings and all that. They had the uh, they had glasses, and I was playing with uh, aliens coming out of different booths. Right. And I don't know if you remember that, but um, it was fantastic. And I realized put that experience of putting on glasses. They did it right at Comic Con, like anybody right. put on the glasses and right. do it. I think it's going to be a game changer coming up in the next year for sure. And and you were asking about three D modeling and technology yeah. in general for those of us out there who want to kind of create our own content and and bring it into our own our own virtual sets. Um, the, the 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 virtual reality now allows you to actually do 3D. Mo- there are programs designed for you to do 3D modeling with your mouse or your stylus in midair, creating 3D objects or people or tables or chairs right in the virtual reality set. And that technology is is is, is very quickly being perfected. Oh, that's amazing! Oh, you mean I have to start my classes over again after I just started? Pretty much, yeah. 
It never ends. <laughs> never ends. <laughs> That's, right. That's fantastic. I just wanted to, any last words before I, I could talk to you guys for hours and I think we will have you <laughs> as many webinars as I can have. <laughs> any last thoughts before I move on with some, uh, some videos and things. Um, I, I just want to say that uh, someone in the comment here, her name is Chidozi Nueze. I hope I pronounced your name right. She says, honestly, metaverse knowledge is really needed most in our tertiary institutions during the post-pandemic era. It's really needed in our pedagogy. That really says it all, I think. That's exactly what we, we need these tools and we need the training to utilize them in all of our institutions now. The, and I saw one here. Someone had a question. Is, is it, uh, I think it's pronounced Wami Hazam, how can we have a certification from Eon XR, please? Mm. Yeah, so on we'll we'll get uh, on the website. We do have the certification classes, and we're going to be introducing the Metaverse Academy that we us at Eon wrote. We spent a lot of time on it, and it's fantastic. The Bat Cave model is in the lessons. It's an amazing academy that we'll be introducing in a webinar coming up in the next two weeks. So. Uh, yes, we have we do have a lot of certifications in in this Metaverse Academy coming up. So awesome. to answer that question. Um, and some people had technical questions on size and, and models and all that. But uh, GLB and GLTB, as I've been going over with Stephen, are work great. And Photoshop accepts it. 3D and Photoshop does accept that. Nice. So you can yeah. So you can get those models and just uh, import them, or and pretty soon just tap it right in the app. So again, making it easy for teachers to find what you want, what you need. Make your environments, add your assets, and let students go at it. So, um, with that, I really want to thank Stephen and Heather. You guys are um, industry experts, uh, and you know people adore you both worldwide. And I'm just honored <laughs> that you would be here with us today, with me and with Eon, um, to help us really learn how to do this. And we look forward to having you on future webinars and podcasts as well. Absolutely. So we love it. Yeah. So Thanks awesome. for having us. Thank you so much, you guys. Really appreciate it. Okay, you're welcome. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. Go ahead and turn back my screen share. <clears throat> okay, so uh, anyways, if if you have more questions for Heather and Stephen, uh, please email me later. And we and, and Stephen, you're welcome to stay on as well. Okay. And uh, Or actually answer the chat for me. All right, <laughs> sounds That'd great. That'd be fantastic. I'll keep my eye on the chat. Thank you so much. Oh, that's awesome. So I'm just going to go over some pedagogical stuff and, and really spend some time on some examples that I've made very recently with the latest version of the app. And um, so the, the situation cog situated cognition theory, people ask me, like, why immersive lessons? And so just quickly, things that are important are just, you know, what this brings to your curriculum. So modeling and coaching, you know, making those models, interact with the models. Coaching, it's its very easy to coach and cast this, you know, in your class or share online. Um, and then scaffolding, layering. So 3D makes layering possible. In fact, um, since Stephen's here, one of the things we do in 3D modeling is we take apart things for printing. And so a mm -hmm. lot of the things, not only do we teach in 3D, but you can print them. And I know Stephen's really, uh, really teaching me about that as well. Taking those models apart, you can't just, as, if you're going to print them, um, that's you design the model in a little bit different way. So you can, that's right. Part. Yeah. That's yeah, right. So, um, and then articulation, just, you know, sharing with the class. I always have my students share with the class, even if it's film, I have them do a written assignment and share with the class because that's what life is like. We're preparing students right. for work usually and presenting back to everybody is really an important thing. 
reflecting back on what you did. We know in education, that's critical to reflect and that's how you continue learning and just exploring, you know, problem solving. And that's, you know, that's really important. So um, with that, I'm going to show you part of the video that I did with Captain Keith Walzinger, who is a 777 captain uh, currently with American Airlines. And I want to show this because I've always had a hard time getting industry experts in my class. Here's a way to do it. I'm excited to present a demonstration of a 777 aircraft in the cockpit. This is a 777 aircraft in virtual reality. You see some annotations there on the equipment in the cockpit. And here we go with augmented reality. You can zoom right in and walk around in this model now. So in the AI environment, you can quickly add information using artificial intelligence, videos, text information, photographs, um, and this content can be played and experienced right in the 3D environment. So you don't now have to leave the environment. The control and here we're learning about the flight controls Let's use it in the 777 navigation area. Let's begin from position hold at the end of the active Now we are starting to learn about the ACARS computer. walk around the cockpit and let's look at another video about throttle controls in the 777 during a descent. 50, 40, 30, 20, 10. So this experience, we're gathering information, learning in real time, walking around the environment, one-to-one -one scale. And it's a great experience, closest to being in the simulator or in an actual 777 cockpit as you can get. In this presentation, we're going to take a quick overview of the Boeing 777 cockpit layout. I've been a 777 captain for the last eight years, and it's my pleasure to show you what can be done with the 777 cockpit using the Eon Reality platform. We're going to look now at the basic cockpit layout of the Boeing 777. In the center console, we have the lower display unit, which can display engine functions, system parameters, and interface for the ACARS communications unit. On the lower center Behind that area is uh, the rudder and aileron trim controls. And behind that is the handset for the cabin interphone to talk to other parts of the aircraft. So I'm going to just stop there just for a time, but just to say, you know, this experience with an industry person that's currently active, and now I can share that with my students, but, you know, we basically just hopped on without, uh, without him ever using the app. I said, hey, can you just talk about the lower equipment panel in Eon? And the, it's a beautiful model that uh, from the Boeing 777, and we were able to go through there. Now, I've flown the simulator myself. And it really is being in there. And I'm, and when I put on my Oculus, it's phenomenal. It's a phenomenal experience. Mm -hmm. It's really, really, really real. And um, anyways, I wanted to share that. It, it's something that I really love doing uh, with industry experts. And it could be for, you know, obviously any type of course. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about mixed reality. One thing I realized, especially when I went online teaching recording, is I don't have everything here. So this little picture in the corner is... Uh, my real microphones mixed in with virtual microphones. And so I could show anything now. So mm -hmm. some of the things about in this pedagogy, yeah, it just, you know, enables you to experience 
things that it was never possible before. Um, you can really uh, reflect, you can self-analyze, and you can reanalyze your learning outcomes. And that's a big thing because when you can, uh, all, learning outcomes should always be improved. And as we improve technology and, and learning, this is something that absolutely sh uh, should be done is continuous improvement, adding things uh, with the immersive experience. <clears throat> Here you see a picture in the corner of Petra. This is a 3D experience. And you can, so you can access places that you've never been before, like the bottom of the ocean, uh, places, uh, travel destinations, historical sites, archaeological sites. Um, here's another picture of the ear. You can walk around anatomy. You can walk inside of a human body. You can do things impossible uh, that you can't do in the physical world. Um, navigate inside like a veins or artery. I happen to be interested in cardiovascular. And just to be able to see, and I'll show it in a little bit, the inside of a heart pumping and the direction of the blood flow and the heart valves is a phenomenal thing that I wish I had when I was in engineering school. You can train for difficult situations that are um, might might be unsafe, but like firefighting, but you can have um you can be in that environment training. So I'm going to show a couple examples of these. This is um some 3D. I wanted to show something from my phone, something from my Oculus, and something just in a three from a 3D camera. Hmm. Experience is showing what it's like to use a 360 degree. It's one of the most photos and images. So here is a 360 degree experience at the Sydney Opera House. You can label anything, the annotations, add knowledge portals such as video, text, and images. Here I have a video going uh, explaining about the history of the Opera House and architecture. Here's another one. This is in an extrusion manufacturing area. It's a plastic extrusion machine. I have a video running right now about on the machine and the controller there in the background. And again, you can add anything you want. Um, you can add as many uh, labels and knowledge portals as you want there, walk around that plant. And here is a low res image of an operating suite. And then I've injected some knowledge there about equipment in the operating suite. And uh, you'll see in a second, I'll be panning up with my phone, looking at the surgical lights, uh, the operating bed, the x-ray machine. And finally, this is a panoramic picture I took with my iPhone, my mobile device mm -hmm. in Hawaii. And I put this in here to show you that you can use panoramic photos as well. And I've done some labeling and added some knowledge content here, a video about uh, the resort there in Waikoloa, Hawaii, and did some uh, basic labeling. So these are the, some of the modalities you can use to experience other locations, museums, um, places of work, for example, in 360. And this last piece is using the Oculus Quest 2. I'm in an Italian kitchen moving things around. So this in my Oculus is a completely immersive experience. You can also do this on a phone or on an iPad, and it's also immersive. Um, the Oculus just gives you that extra dimension in the Z-axis. So those are different ways that you can interact in 3D. So those are different. And, and again, uh, our job as teachers is what types of things we can introduce to students and then they can create uh, these experiences and you can create examples for them. So you can use your phone. You could, most of the time I'm doing things on my phone, but doing it in, and then you can also import those into your Oculus. They show up in the, in the experiences. So on uh, different ways you can do things. And then this is another one that I get a lot of questions on, on digital twins, which are used heavily in industry already to replace uh, something real with something that you can attach artificial intelligence to. This video is about creating digital twins. 
For this experience, I used a Fender Rumble 100. It's a bass amp that I use. I'm playing bass guitar. So first I added some labels or annotations to the bass amp, including the plugs in the back, which are really important to know when you're a bass player. And there I've scanned my amplifier using an app called Scanniverse. There are other apps, it's a free, free app. And now I'm going to simply map the digital twin scan to the real model. So here I'm picking three corners, picking the bottom corner and the top corner of my scan, mapping it to my real amp. And now I'm picking the back left corner so I can get the depth. I'm gonna tap that corner and tap the one on the back of my real amp. And then I'm going, the amps are gonna be aligned. So there you see my digital twin, which is the scan version. Now with this version, I can add annotations, videos, text images, and in other words, knowledge, research I do about this piece into the scan. And this is really important because then I can hide the digital twin and keep the knowledge. So that's how digital twins work. So here I am adding text images and videos quickly using artificial intelligence. I just spoke the name Fender Rumble 100 bass amp. And here that's I good. knowledge portal information that I want to show. So there's my information, video text and images. I'm just gonna move it over a little bit and I can watch this video now and add content information to the Fender Base 100 Rumble using a digital twin. Super fun. <clears throat> so you can imagine the applications in industry for that and learning how to do that in a school and while you're in school is, it's, it's easy, but it's a new concept. So I think it's really important. It's, um, it's really, it's actually a really amazing experience and how easy it is. And so um, that's digital twins. There's another one I wanted to show you um, just about mixed reality and something that uh, where I was interested in, how do I show something that's not real that, that maybe one of my artist students made up. And so this is a really interesting one and using augmented reality with a, it's an animated holographic desk that projects AI screens. This is a lesson about something I would show in coding class. Great. It's an animated model. Let me turn on the animation here. It's a future holographic desk uh, shooting a globe and then throwing out artificial intelligence screens. I've also, if I stop animation, I have added some quick annotations as well. I can quickly add those using the <coughs> sign down here, add lesson content. And if I go into augmented reality here, and I can just speak and I can add information. So I'll just show you that really quickly. I'll set the annotation point here. Artificial intelligent screen. That's great. Yeah. Annotation, and there you go, there's my annotation. And then I'll go back to my animation. There's my model, my content, my information, and it's really engaging, really fun. Um, I can show an idea that it would be very hard to demonstrate uh, for a movie uh, if you didn't have a 3D space here. 
So the reason I want to show you this is just to show you how easy it is to bring in animated models. And the Eon accepts those just as easily as non-animated in this, the two buttons on the bottom to turn on and off the animation. And so I know why Stephen's enjoying this because you create them. <laughs> you know how hard it is to create, but now we just bring them in. and it's they like, Exactly. It's like instant image mapping. <laughs> exactly. It's incredible to, to be able to just bring those in. So I oftentimes spend time in places like Sketchfab, CD Trader, and Turbo Squid just looking at animated models because I love them. And I love bringing yeah. them in, and my students love them as well. So talking a little bit better, more about pedagogy, and I'm aware of the time. We only have uh, 10 minutes left. So um, this is important that it, you need to become familiar with the features. And that's the same as if you're teaching anything. Once you're familiar with the, teachers, the features of an application, you can make the assignments and then relate the pedagogy that we're talking about today. Um, <clears throat> some quick things. Artificial intelligence. You saw me taking pictures and speaking. Um, it's a great way to do research. And it's a great way for students because they can do this easily. They can do the research, and it's a little bit different experience than just going on Google and typing. And, and uh, a, in fact, I'm doing a lot of speaking recently in AI. It's a huge thing in education. People are trying to understand it. This is a great application, um, how to do research using artificial intelligence and add it to your 3D scene. So, <clears throat> and a lot of people ask me about, you know, why, why immersive learning? So you've seen a lot of examples here today. I have a couple more, but it's easier to understand complex theoretical concepts. Think about chemistry, chemical models, uh, mathematical models, uh, where you know, instead of <laughs> equations, now we have the 3D map of what those stand for, build competencies and demonstrate understanding the key son concepts by solving difficult problems. So that's, there's um, you know, a lot of reasons. And I wanna talk briefly about learning outcomes is I really believe in rubrics. I think uh, it's, I've created um, some Canvas assignments or anything in your LMS where you can have rubrics that relate to immersive content, you know, bringing in your model. What did you choose? Were you creative? Did it explain what you're trying to learn about? So um, I think it's, it's worth going back and adding uh, the immersive content and really looking at creating uh, specific rubrics to kind of analyze what students are doing. I, and it's not, not that hard. Uh, some quick examples of what other schools are doing, University of Virginia, uh, they were recreating historical locations. Uh, Hamilton called in India, recreating historical shrines, and those will be staying, and they'll probably become part of the metaverse. <clears throat> Pedagogical examples, um, we've talked about some of these, but human anatomy and physiology. In fact, I think that's kind of how I got started as a biomedical engineer in this area um, back in school and doing this in for 2D and 3D modeling is where I started. Uh, medical testing, x-ray, I got a lot of questions about MRI and x-ray where you can just bring those in and look at them. And that's what they're doing now in hospitals, as you know, in the clinical site, um, AR overlays for electronics and virtual dissections instead of real ones. That's a popular one in schools. Um, some pedagogical examples, you can learn about things that are very large, very small, like the human cell. And I wanted to get to this, a quick example, because it's one of my favorite things that I've ever learned about. I love cardiology, so let's take a look. The function of the heart is to pump blood. It pumps red or oxygenated blood to the body in order to deliver oxygen to the organs and tissues. The organs and tissues use oxygen to make energy. So there's a whole lesson about the heart, but what I love about this is when I learned about this in school, you know, I had my book and we didn't have the internet yet, believe it or not, but to see the blood flow and the 
as you're learning about cardiology and the actual valves for me would have been very, very important. And I didn't get to see it until I was in industry and working um, in a lab and, and using like real hearts and being in real surgeries. And so this would have been incredibly valuable. So I just find that fascinating that there it is. I can turn it around. I can interact. I can zoom in on those valves. I can understand that venous and arterial flow. I, it's an amazing, amazing thing to me. Um, some other pedagogical examples, just to try to cover the basis. <laughs> so, set design, amusement park layout. That's I have a lot of uh, colleagues doing amusement park lay layout, which is amazing in 3D instead of 2D. Um, architecture. And I know Stephen deals a lot about architecture with because Adobe has architects going with their iPads on site to do architectural design in the space, as Heather talked about earlier. Um, and Heather teaches about toys and jewelry. So I put that in there. Um, collaboration. So collaboration, as I said, with Captain Walzinger um, in a cockpit is a, a great thing, you know, and you can learn with others, but also just learning from each other, whether it's your teacher or your colleagues or colleagues in industry. Um, the Metaverse and Eon, um, these platforms are a great space to collaborate, learn from others, record the experiences. <clears throat> and then I put some different learning goals in here as well. Um, some things that, you know, come in with this immersive technology, just like I showed the digital twins, um, new concepts, simulations, um, and assessments. So you can do assessments in Eon. So you can do things like order of operations. Like in the cockpit, they always have a checkbook, like, okay, we're going to go through the landing uh, checklist. And you can go through that. You can show that. And then the student would go repeat that process. You can disassemble or assemble things. So you can show that. I look at like a chef, like here's all the ingredients in order. And then the student will be can do that and measure it or putting together a complex motor. So uh, it's kind of limitless there. I, this is a busy slide about learning goals, but there are so many um, learning goals and um, that relate to immersive technology. And <clears throat> one of my favorites is just developing that spatial and 3D visualization skill. It's a different experience. And once you experience it, it's something that you want to keep with you in your learning. And finally, just to know that we have ongoing support here, as you all know, um, as a chief learning officer here at Eon, um, we have a nice, a great team that's very experienced and very responsive, as you know, to um, your questions and your needs and your ideas. And we love your ideas. We incorporated, some of you know, a lot of your ideas into our application. And we're very excited to share this with you. And with that, I'm going to go ahead and look and see about uh, if there's any more Q&A. Actually, and, there are no, no questions at all, which I'm surprised. So I see, like, let me click on the little Q&A app. If there's any new ones. Okay. Yeah, so. I oh, there they are. There they are. Well, right. know, yeah. So people want to know about walking. Let me talk yet once more about walking around through a model. So the way I like to do it is I, I grab asset in AR mode, augmented reality, and I go in a space where there's room. And I've learned about space because I also have an Oculus. And if I don't have a stationary boundary, if I have a, a bigger boundary, I need space yeah. to walk around or I'm going to bump into stuff. And knowing me, then I'll fall down. So <laughs> so <clears throat> I want what I do, I get my phone. I click the one-to-one. -one, I have enough space so I can physically walk through something. So that's what I was doing in the Batcave. And because, it, like I said before, it was a three-level model, I actually walked up my stairs to walk on the top of that model because it was one-to-one -one real space. I couldn't do it from downstairs in my house. I could make it smaller and do it, but I wanted to do it one-to-one. -one. Now, 
I could also scroll around that with my finger and move around that model without my body moving. And that's an important feature in Eon because it deals with accessibility. Also in the Oculus, I can turn off, uh, you have uh, accessibility features, but they're automatic. You can, you can make your boundary stationary and you can use the joystick with your thumbs to walk around any model. And that's true for most games as well. So um, that's how you walk around. It's, it's a different experience. And I think they're important experience. You can walk around a 3D model. You can walk around an environment and augmented reality. So, right. so that's uh, those questions. Let's see if I had any more that I missed here. I, I like to think of it as more of a, that you're in a quantum universe. You can go as far as you want. Okay, so I'm like, oh, that's very good, Stephen. Oh, AI, so what is that screen? So um, artificial intelligence is a way that you can speak or take a picture of something, and then uh, using uh, the apps in, embedded, it will look at that and say, okay, this is a machine. It's this kind of machine. Okay, what kind of content do you know about this machine? You want to know, you can add text-to-speech, speech-to-text videos. Um, you can have PDF, uh, JPEG images. So all of the knowledge that exists out there, other models, for example. So the artificial intelligence is a way to look at something or also talk about something or even type a note and it brings in all that content um, off the internet. So it's in, when you're in a 3D environment, it's better to stay in that environment and bring in content than to leave and then go look and type and everything and come back. And so we do it right in the app with AI and it makes it uh, faster and easier. So you just type the AI button or the microphone button and you can take pictures or speak and that content comes right in. So that's, that's that question. Uh, the webinar, it will be available online worldwide shortly after this. Um, a joystick, yes. So the joystick is definitely there for the Oculus. Uh, the new paddles have the joystick and the, the normal controls that you would see. And it has like two other buttons for your finger and your thumb. So it's it's got a lot of buttons on it. It has everything. So if you have those uh, Quest 2 controllers, um, those are fantastic. Uh, I think I answered most of these. Uh, somebody, so somebody had a question about um, iCube. I'm not going to go into that in this webinar. That's a different topic. Um, <coughs> I just wanted to, uh, someone asked about SketchUp. SketchFab is where I was pulling models from, like that bat cave. Um, and we're going to be pulling in um, over 5 million assets here in the next month or two. So you can just AI away and, and get assets or call Stephen. Stephen will make you a model right. to bring in as well. Um, <laughs> um, the last thing I wanted to say is we are going to have a webinar coming up on the metaverse uh, uh, with, with our team. And we're looking forward to that. So I think it's um, coming up in the next couple of weeks. Look for announcements on that. And I'll be back with our team to talk about the Metaverse Academy. Any last words, Stephen? Well, um, listen, I, I think you said it all. If anybody needs assistance in terms of someone building, custom building something for you, that's what I do professionally. If you have a, um, whether it's a table or a room, architecture, um, an environment, let me know. Uh, we'll, we'll work out something. We'll, take a, we'll talk about your mm -hmm. ideas, how you want to look and feel and make it happen. Right. So, you know, we're, we're here to help faculty. That's what Steve and I have been doing uh, for, gosh, a long time. You know, we speak at Comic-Con about arts yeah. and yeah. here we're kind of working together. And, uh, you know, and we're very happy to be here and help anybody out. And uh, feel free to email. And we look forward to hearing <laughs> from all of you. And thank you for being on the webinar. Thank you, Stephen. And You're again, Heather, welcome. 
being our, our special guest today. Right. So thank no you, everybody. <laughs>